chassis. Today we're talking about chassis and the Federal Maritime Commission. You know, the little metal frames that have wheels, so the otherwise wheelless container boxes can actually move. That's a chassis, right? There's a case I'm watching, and there's a study of best practices that's starting to get going, so let's talk about it. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor, me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of the day, let's go through my top three stories of the week. (laughs) Story number one, you already know what it is, right? We're still waiting on language of the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations, the supplemental request for comments. Um, We've talked about it before. The FMC held a commission meeting where they said they'd be releasing a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking, diving further into some questions that were raised by the comments on the last notice and comment period. So what does this mean? They're opening it back up for comments. You're going to get another bite at the apple here. Um, They really want to be looking at some of the the questions that came up in those comments. One of the biggest ones, what is a documented export strategy? What does it mean? Is that the threshold or is that just one of the criteria that the FMC is considering when reviewing reasonableness and and apparent unreasonableness to negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations? Uh, We've talked about this before. Commission Chairman Maffei said I recognize that we are are missing our deadline, right? The deadline for this rule to be buttoned up was December 16th. What he said was, getting it right is more important than getting it fast. And I, I agree with him here, right? I think that... Uh, they really need to dive in more on the documented export strategy and a couple other terms that, that came up that raised questions. Story number two. Uh, remember, we actually have three rulemakings we're watching, right? So the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, OSRA 22, was passed on June 16, 2022. We just talked about the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. That was required to be buttoned up within six months of June 16th. We just talked about how that's going to be sliding past that deadline. But there's two other rulemakings that are required to be buttoned up by the end of one year from OSRA. So we are looking at June 16th, 2023, for the other two rulemakings to be buttoned up. Um, I think if it necessitates a continuation past June 16th, certainly warranted, but but I'm still interested to see some language come out from at least one of these rulemakings. Um, so the, the second rulemaking that we're watching beyond the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate is the de- detention and demurrage, prohibitive practices, uh, billing requirements, invoicing. Um, we talked about that a lot on on here uh, here on by land and by sea. Um, that was the one that had over 180 comments come in. So, like I said, I'm not expecting anything until I'm guessing April at the earliest. Maybe we'll see something released in March. Um, but essentially, what's going to happen now is the attorney assigned to it is going to be reviewing all the comments that came in, putting them into buckets probably, and then releasing um, potentially a final rule that addresses each bucket of comments, um, kind of themes of the comments, um, and what they'll be amending on that final rule um, and what they'll be incorporating on that final rule. They might be doing the same thing where they'll do another supplemental notice and comment period, um, but maybe not. They've already had an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. Remember, that was about a year ago. And then this last fall, we had the notice of proposed rulemaking, um, which is basically we went from 
questions out to the industry to a little bit more structure to the language that's probably being proposed to now a final rule would be this is the language unless we get really significantly adverse comments. Um, so this next round will be the last chance, really, um, likely. We'll, we'll see what, what procedure they go for. Um, but this last round, if they do a final rule, will be the last chance of addressing any comments that you have on those rules uh, before they become final, if they go the final rule route. Um, but like I said, I'm not expecting anything until... Maybe April. Uh, maybe we'll get lucky and have something in March here. I don't know. Um, they, they have a lot on their plate, certainly. And the third rule that we're watching that we have not seen any language for is unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods. Um, this one, I'm really, really excited to see what the language is, right? I think that this one, um, unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods, there's been some general guidance, um, general laws put in place, um, statutes from ASRA that basically uh, make it so that unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods or practices are not allowed, but this rule will define that a little bit more. Um, so I'm interested to see what it says. All right, story number three, we're cruising right along. Uh, this week on Monday, actually, Dr. Sal Mercagliano and I chatted with Bill Priestley over at Freight Waves Roundtable. Um, I'll put a link so that you can go watch it. Um, but we were talking about the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore and Warehouse Union contract negotiations. Right. They continue to be ongoing and without a resolution so far. Um, interesting. Last week, as we talked about here, uh, they put out a joint statement, the IL ILWU and the PMA, saying essentially that, um, you know, negotiations started May 10th and the parties have reached a tentative agreement on certain key issues. What they included was health benefits. Um, and then they said in this joint statement that they remain committed to resolve remaining issues as expeditiously as possible. Talks are ongoing until an agreement is reached. OK, that's great. They also added, which I mentioned last week, negotiations are not open to the public or the media, and news articles purporting to know what's happening at the bargaining table are speculative at best. During negotiations, West Coast ports have continued to operate. Basically, what they were saying is that we're keeping this very close hold. You know, it's funny because there was some news coming out maybe in the past few months of what's going on. Um, it's still hard to say if, if I don't know, I, I, I don't, I... I'm hesitant to think that no information is getting out, but also I understand what they're saying that, you know, be careful of, of the news that you're getting. Um, but a little bit of good news. And with that qualifier, a little bit of good news. I trust Dr. Sal Mercagliano on his reporting and on his intel. And he put out on Twitter last night that he's hearing that they may have actually reached an agreement on manning and automation at a key terminal in Long Beach. Um, if so, that would be great. Um, automation certainly remains a big ticket item in their discussions in general, um, as well as jurisdictional issues that I had previously heard. But like we just heard, who knows? Who knows what's been what's been accurate over the past few months? Um, but like their joint statement said, take all news with a grain of salt. So we'll see. But that would be so great um, if if some of the automation issues um, could get buttoned up. Um, luckily, there haven't been many disruptions to service that we've seen. Um, but the longer this continues, the more uncertainty remains for the West Coast ports and terminals. Um, and, you know, business doesn't love uncertainty, right? So let's hope this gets buttoned up soon. All right, so moving on, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day here. So we've been talking a lot about alliances recently, um, but and we did a mini refresher on alliances in the formation, but I wanted to kind of change gears a bit to a lesser reported area of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act and kind of associated pending cases before the commission. So we've talked about... Um, chassis case a little bit. Um, a few weeks ago, I discussed the pending case that's with the administrative law judge of the Federal Maritime Commission, which is the American Trucking Association's Intermodal 
Motor Carriers Conference, the IMCC, versus the Ocean Carrier Equipment Management Association, OSEMA, and Consolidated Chassis Management, CCM. Um, so before we go too far, I talked about this when I brought this up before. I want to remind everyone that this is not legal advice. Uh, rather, this is for educational purposes. But most importantly here, this case is still pending, very much still pending. So don't rely on this content or interim decisions just yet. Um, this is still very much in motion, despite um, some of the reporting calling this a win. Um, it's not a win because this initial decision out of the administrative law judge's office is not final yet. Um, there's a certain amount of time that has to expire before finality for this decision is made. We're not there yet. So this is very much still in the work. So don't rely on any of this just yet. Um, and in general, like I said, this is all educational anyways. Um, so what's happening? So this is in front of the administrative law judge of the Federal Maritime Commission, and she issued an initial decision partially granting summary decision. So partially granting a, a, a final decision here. But like I said, it's not final. It's an initial decision. Um, this isn't final yet. And exceptions or appeals are very much expected to be filed here, uh, which would continue the case, right? That would continue the discussion. Um, also, the Federal Maritime Commission has the ability to, it's called sua sponte review, which is where they would pull the case as a full commission and review it as well. Um, given that this is such a large issue, if exceptions aren't filed, which I'm sure that they will be, um, I can imagine that the FMC might pull it just to have a look at it um, as well. Okay, so what's happening? So what is actually happening in this case? So the IMCC filed a complaint at the Federal Maritime Commission. It was actually August 2020 um, against OSEMA, CCM, the, the two named um, respondents that we talked about, and actually 11 ocean carriers um, alleging violations of the Shipping Act, alleging, among other things, that they have adopted and imposed unjust and unreasonable regulations and engaged in unjust and unreasonable practices by requiring the use of OSEMA member default chassis providers and denying motor carriers the right to select the chassis provider for merchant haulage movements. So essentially, kind of what they're, they're getting at here is exclusivity, right? So they're saying um, it's unjust and unreasonable that they have to go with these default chassis providers. Um, so the FMC administrative law judge provided a little bit of background from an FMC report uh, previously released from Commissioner Carl Bensel. The report was the assessment of PRC's control of container and intermodal chassis manufacturing. Uh, basically, she gives just kind of a little bit of background on chassis generally saying, you know, it's a, it's a metal frame that has uh, wheels on it um, and it allows the box to move. Uh, but then she also uh Quotes from the report itself, and I'll do the same here. Uh, chassis are the wheels of the supply chain. Prior to 2005, intermodal chassis were typically owned and operated by the ocean carriers, which allowed carriers to more accurately deploy sufficient chassis resources to cover intermodal shipping needs. When the carriers made the decision to disinvest in chassis because of increasing concerns about safety and the imposition of regulatory requirements for safe management of chassis, it created another coordinating point in the supply chain, the intermodal equipment provider. Continuing on with this report, while the approach has worked and injected higher levels of safety and maintenance in chassis operations, there have been other challenges as well. If chassis are not available, then containers do not move. By removing or delaying the use of one component of operational equipment, the entire supply chain will slow down. Movements from marine terminals to inland and destination points in the interior are heavily reliant on chassis for intermodal trucking services. So, that's the, the section that she quoted out from the report, just kind of giving a lay of the land, right? So the FMC's administrative law judge also addressed 
the Ocean Shipping Reform Act's mandated study of chassis that we're going to be covering in just a minute here. Um, but what she talked about is what she what she put in her report is um, best practices for chassis pools were addressed in the Osra 2022. Uh, the new law requires the commission, the FMC, to enter into an agreement to carry out, quoting, carry out a study and develop best practices for on-terminal or near-terminal chassis pools that provide service to marine terminal operators, motor carriers, railroads, and other stakeholders that use the chassis pools with the goal of optimizing supply chain efficiency and effectiveness. The Transportation Research Board shall, and this is all from Azra, the Transportation Research Board shall take into consideration practical obstacles to the implementation of chassis pools and potential solutions to those obstacles and address the relevant communication practices, information sharing, and knowledge management. So on October 3rd, 2002, the FMC announced that it had awarded a contract to the National Academies of Science Transportation Research Board to conduct a study examining intermodal chassis pools and to provide recommendations on best practices for their management. So the the ALJ is kind of outlining the world of chassis are starting to become something that people are paying attention to. Um, more on that in a minute, but we will be talking about that study. So back to the case. The administrative law judge says this proceeding raises the issue of whether current chassis practices by respondents violate the Shipping Act. This decision does not address the broader questions involved in determining best practices for chassis pools. So she's distinguishing here. Look, the complainants are talking about this exclusivity, whether current chassis practices violate the Shipping Act. We're not talking about best practice for chassis. She's keeping herself in a lane. Um, the administrative law judge goes on to say, as an overview, relying primarily on commission case law regarding exclusive agreements, the decision finds that preferred agreements where a default chassis provider is selected but not required are not necessarily unreasonable, but that exclusive agreements which prevent motor carriers from using the chassis provider of their choice for merchant haulage are unreasonable and violate, un, and violate the Shipping Act. So she's saying preferential agreements where default chassis providers are selected but not required may be fine or not, as she says, not necessarily unreasonable, but it's the exclusivity which prevent motor carriers from using the chassis provider. That's the part that she's saying is unreasonable and violates the Shipping Act in this initial decision that is not final yet. But it's interesting that she's, that she's putting it out there. So she continues, in addition, the commission has the authority to prevent regulated entities from withdrawing from interoperable pools where multiple IEPs contribute chassis. And although additional proceedings will be needed to determine any markets where this is appropriate, the parties are given an opportunity to appeal this decision as a whole prior to determining next steps, including final briefing on the remaining issues in these four regions and discovery regarding other geographic regions. So the complainant was only looking at certain geographic regions, as we'll, we'll about to, we're about to cover. Uh, but what she's basically saying is, look, um, this exclusivity, right? It's kind of all hinging on this exclusivity. So there's a lot of different issues at stake here, right? So there's a lot of different stakeholders involved. Um, there's a lot of different respondents. So even though I mostly talk about OSEMA and CCM here, um, notably, there's 11 different carriers also on this. Um, this initial decision is actually pretty long. It's, um, it's, it's quite lengthy. It's, um, oh gosh, it's, it's many, many pages long. Uh, 43, in fact. <laughs> um, but so, uh, or, or, uh, I take that back. It's 61. It's 61 with an appendix that also has um, <laughs> a chart on on the the different um, 
filings in the case. So um, it's it's quite a lengthy thing. All that to say, basically, there's a lot going on. I am oversimplifying this, but I wanted to bring this case to your attention. Um, but at least in one of the complainant requests, a cease and desist uh, cease and desist order is requested. And so the administrative law judge responded saying, respondents are ordered to cease and desist from violating the Shipping Act in Chicago, LA Long Beach, Memphis, and Savannah by ceasing and desisting, adopting, maintaining, and or enforcing any regulations or practices that limit the ability of a motor carrier to select the chassis provider of its choice for merchant haulage. So that's what she was talking about saying in these regional areas that are clumped into this complaint. And so those being Chicago, Ellie Long Beach, Memphis, and Savannah. She's saying it might be larger. Um, this might be something that we'll continue to talk about. But she's ordered a cease and desist. Again, this is not final yet. This is still very much in motion. But for her to come out and say that this is a final or this is her initial decision, this is her decision, um, it kind of shows that, look, at the FMC, according to this administrative law judge, is not going to be very tolerant, tolerant of exclusivity where it's inhibiting the ability of choice. Um, so, it's, I mean, essentially, the ALJ is saying exactly that, right, that exclusive agreements between ocean carriers and chassis providers according to the administrative law judge, violate the U.S. Shipping Act when the motor carrier is not able to use the chassis provider of their own choosing. Um, this was also covered in a Freight Waves article right after this administrative law judge initial decision came out. Um, like I said, it's all kind of hinging on this exclusivity and it's this inability of choice, right? So remember that the Federal Maritime Commission is all about the fair and efficient movement of goods. So if they're finding that something is counterproductive to the fair and efficient movement of goods, like metal frames with wheels not being able not be available uh, for the movement of the boxes, they're likely going to take a closer look and potentially move against the impediment. You, you can't have a box just being slid down the street, right? You need it to be on a chassis. It's a very critical point of, of movement of these goods. But as the administrative law judge warned, this is not final unless not reviewed or exceptions are not filed. And sure enough, it looks like exceptions are going to be filed. Um, there was a request for an extension of time for filing, um, which ultimately resulted in a seven-day grant of extension of time. So it looks like we'll have exceptions, uh, the appeal, um, to this case by March 7th, uh, which is only a few days away, which is 22 days of the original requirement um, of the initial decision being issued, and then an additional seven days um, which was the extension. So it was initially 22 days to file exceptions. They were granted an additional seven days. And then the response was also granted an additional seven days. So stay, stay tuned here. You know I will. Um, so what about the best practices report? So as the administrative law judge explained in her initial decision, that I previously highlighted where she was talking about this study, the National Academies of Science is the lead of the study on best practices of chassis pools directed by the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Um, there's a committee of 10 independent experts on this study. Um, they're academics, they're consultants, and they're institutes. They, they kind of represent all those different areas. Um, the study approaches, um, studied different approaches for supplying the chassis use to transport intermodal ocean containers. Um, they're going to be reviewing current chassis pool models and identify the advantages and disadvantages of each. So again, this isn't part of that case at all. This is just the Ocean Shipping Reform Act saying, we need to review what's going on out there, take inventory of what's out there, and then also figure out best practices based on what we have. Um, the study is also going to be considering whether the models have aligned incentives and in ownership, management, repair, and provisioning that lead to supply chain efficiency. 
And notably, they're going to be evaluating the potential for efficiency-enhancing communications, information sharing, and knowledge management practices across chassis pool models. Um, the first open meeting actually happened just this week. Um, it included the Federal Maritime Commission, the FMCSA, International Trade Administration, Institute of International Container Lessors, uh, North American Chassis Pool Cooperative, Direct Chassis Link, Track Intermodal, and Flexivan Leasing. Um, in the actual website reporting of the TRB, um, it, it, it kind of outlines what their mission is. Again, they had a couple um, closed session meetings at the very beginning, I think probably getting the members acclimated um, and trying to kind of direct, figure out where, where the direction is that they want to take this study. Um, but what they have on their website is a committee will approach, uh, will study approaches for supplying the chassis used by motor carriers, railroads, and marine terminal operators to transport intermodal containers and will identify the circumstances under which individual models for provisioning chassis are optimized for the efficient functioning of the supply chain, including best practices from each model that can further increase efficiency. So there's a lot of attention on chassis, right? I'm going to keep watching all of this and let you know of any developments as they happen. Again, today, that case is still very much pending. Do not rely on that. Um, but it's it's interesting, right, that they are kind of moving toward, look, exclusivity. There can be preferential, but the exclusivity is just not really going to to fly according to these these early indications from the administrative law judge. So as always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. You need an attorney? Contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning, and general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand, or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Land and by Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. While you're at it, check out the website, maritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, The Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and by Sea. See you next time.